uh, tournament. And that's been going on for about eight years. That's a spillover from what happens on Saturday. We always had 18 to, or actually it was 21 to 35 year olds on Saturday. Because we've been doing it so many years, they aged out of that. And so we created one for the older guys, 35 and up. And that has now gotten bigger than the actual 21 to 35. So we had 13 teams out on Friday and one person was saved. And then yesterday, uh, two more guys were saved. So we had three men trust Christ as Savior, got to follow up with all three of them, give them packs, talk about the, their salvation experience and, and truly trusting Christ. And so it's neat to see God working in so many different ways, whether it's up in the gym with pickleball or ping pong or volleyball or whatever we do in that way, a sportsman's banquet. There are so many ways that we can reach out to people. And so we watch people get saved each week. And so let's not take that for granted. God using so many different things to bring people to Christ. Also this morning, before we get started, we have a couple of couples with us for the first time, not new to our church, but Zach and Alyssa. And uh, would you guys raise your hand? First time in our class. Welcome. Glad to have you. I think you guys have been coming for about two years, something like that. But we are glad now to have you in our class this morning. Welcome. And also for the first time visiting with us, DJ and Christine, right? And glad to have you here from West Virginia, right? Moving new to the area. Welcome. Welcome. What's that? Potentially, Potentially moving. All right. Let's pray for those guys. We want them here, right? <laughs> Glad to have you in class this morning. Thanks for coming out to visit. All right, we're starting a new series. Would you take your Bibles, please? Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 13, please. Romans, chapter 13. I'm excited about this new series. It's called Living in the Real. Living in the Real. And so, uh, if you don't have a handout, would you raise your hand? We have more handouts. We might have um, not had enough when you first came in. But uh, raise your hand. We'll get you one of those. Um. This class, guys, is going to emphasize how the truth about God and the Bible and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and our church and future reward and punishment, all those things combined, all the things that we think about that shape our lives, it's going to talk about that. And the focus is going to be on driving hypocrisy and double-mindedness from our lives to live in the real. God wants us to be sincere believers in Christ, doesn't he? He doesn't want us to be two-faced. He doesn't want us to be hypocritical. He wants us to be sincere. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be genuine. And so that's what the series is about. So for the next uh, 12 weeks or so, uh, we're going to be going through all of that. And so question, how is your life, your daily life with Christ, shaping your daily attitudes, your actions, your words, and your thoughts? Just, uh, just as we open up, and I, for those of you who are new, we like to get interaction together in these, in these classes. How is your Christian life shaping you today? What would you say? Just general thoughts in life. How, how does He shape your life? Does He shape your life? Is He having an influence? Are there times where you find the world is having more influence than it should? And you're welcome to share that as well. Let's be real about our Christian life. We want to start right off the bat with trying to be real about where we are with God. Yes, sir. Jeff? Right, right. What he's saying is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, maybe sometimes. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. So we, that's motivation, motivation for us to try to keep on guard because our little ones are coming up behind us, watching us, and they get big. And mine are all grown, so as you know, it's my shaping years are pretty much over. Allison and Josh come over for dinner, and we get a chance to every once in a while sort of input there. When they ask, we don't just offer when they ask, and so that's a good opportunity. But generally, 
my time is over. And so can I encourage you now, for those of you who have younger ones, man, make the most of it because they grow up like that and they're gone. And now when they look back and, and they talk to you about what's going on in their life and it's going the right direction, what a reward that is. Dave. Nice. <laughs> He's not giving up the sports to programs, just the other ones, right? <laughs> Amen. And, and TV can be a, a, real, a, a real challenge. I'll just say for me, sometimes, you know, with the news cycle that there is out there, I tend to, my, my weakness is probably my Fox News, you know, where I like to watch Fox News at the end of the night, Hannity comes on, and after that it might be uh, Laura. So I told Ann, honey, I want you to hold me accountable. No more than one hour watching the news. I like to keep up and know what's going on. But an hour is enough because they say the same thing each night, so you can kind of get an hour and that's all you need, right? And so that's plenty. What's that? It's the same thing every hour. Yeah, that's right. We don't watch every hour. We just watch one. So, so that type of thing. But yeah, that can shape us. And you know what? All the negative on there, that can make us negative, can it, class? We get a lot of steady diet of negative and what's going on in our world, so I want to limit that. Lydia, good to see you. Welcome back from Taiwan. Welcome. And so all that can be just burdensome. So we're careful about that. Somebody else, how it shapes us, good, bad, or the other. Yes, ma'am. That's real world right there, isn't it? That's just real world, guys. And, and any of us could, could give that testimony. And thank you for, for sharing that, Deb. And that's what I wanted people to know. Hey, none of us are, have, have arrived. It's real out there. And that's what I want us to understand about this, this course. Let's just be real. We know that we don't always get it right. And sometimes we fail. What I appreciate about what you said, though, did you hear what she said? I pray in the morning. I'm God conscious. I'm Christ conscious. I'm praying, Lord, give me strength. Give me help. You're acknowledging God in all your ways, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And on the way home, so in the middle we get caught up in stuff and our flesh might want to take over or sometimes we just, you know, have a, a person who's dominating us or a situation and we get, we get lost in that. We can become anxious. At the end of the day, you're on your way home and the God consciousness does fill us and so you're thinking about, God, did I please Him today? Where did I not please Him? Lord, I'm sorry for that. I messed up on that. that there's a consciousness there. That's a real world saying, yes, Lord, I'm human. I did struggle but I'm coming to you again asking for grace and help and strength to have more victory the next day. There's a God consciousness in doing that. And so I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Well, to me, a lot of uh, 
Yes. Yes. I love it. And John is good at that because when he reads a verse, I'll just share this. He's faithful to share something with me. He texted me this morning. Hey, brother, I was thinking about you, praying for you this morning. Here's a verse for you, encouragement for you. I get those from time to time, John, and they mean a lot to me. Thank you for doing that. He's God conscious and he loves the Word of God and shares it, you know, with people who he knows will appreciate it. We can do that with one another, by the way. And so that is so vital that we think about that. And so... Um, have you ever overslept? Raise your hand. We didn't do it today because you're here. Praise God, right? Good job. Yeah, we oversleep. Class, what's it like when you oversleep? Because this morning's class, we're talking about in the real as the series, but the lesson this morning is, on, is called, as you see the title, it's called Wake Up. Wake Up. Don't stay asleep spiritually at the wheel. We want to be awake. Yes, ma'am. Lisa? The day doesn't start off good, does it, when you wake up late? <laughs> it just can get us in a mood, can it not, class? We just wake up late and now we're having to rush. What's the attitude sometimes when we wake up late? What is it? Anger is one. What else? Impatience. Impatience. Jerry? Is it anxiousness? Yeah. Yes. Pretty good. You're a good job. <laughs> yeah, it can start a chain reaction, can it not? When you wake up late, is that is that what happens, guys? It starts a chain chain reaction, doesn't it? Now you wake up and you're thinking, oh, I gotta get this done and this done. I gotta get in the shower. I gotta get this and I gotta get out of here by this time. And I got this and this and this to do. Or is that just me? Is that you too? Yeah, ha happens to all of us, right? We get anxious. We get where I wrote a number of things down here that happen. We panic. We fear. We might feel shame. How could I do that again? Or I did that. How? Why did I? Or I'm guilty. Oh man, they wanted me there. I'm going to miss that meeting. I got to reschedule that. We get into hyperdrive. Then we got to catch up right away. And now we're frantic and we're anxious and we're not thinking so much about God. We're thinking about how I can cover up my my tracks where I made a mistake or where I'm going to look bad if I don't get this done because we overslept, right? Is that, was that true? That's really what happens. And so we formulate a plan of action for dealing with our, maybe our irresponsibility for oversleeping and how we might minimize the consequences of our oversleeping. And so that's just real. And, and, and that's what we're, we're talking about this morning. I'm thinking about the member of the movie Home Alone where they all woke up in the morning, the alarm didn't go off because the member Home Alone... And then you see the picture of everyone's running around and trying to get this done and that done, and they miscount and they leave somebody at home. That's the consequence of oversleeping, right? So, yeah, we get it, and they portray that on the movie. And that's us sometimes. Well, God is saying, in essence, hey, I want you to, to wake up to pay attention to your life in general, that you live in the real, that you don't let stuff in life just sort of creep in unaware 
and pretty soon you just drift down to this life of mediocrity with the Lord. You just drift away and it's like, well, I'm, I used to pray every morning for 10 minutes and now I find myself barely getting a cup of coffee in and I'm gone and I not having devotions, or I'm not memorizing scripture, or I'm not reading the word like I should, or yes, I forgot those tracks, I don't have one with me, and not that we're trying to do any of that. None of us in here are trying not to witness, or we're trying not to remember our devotions. None of us, not one of us. But life happens, flesh happens, real world stuff happens, and it's sort of just a, well, I'm not as conscientious about that as I used to be, and therefore... We're now living in the real. The real is dominating us, and our reality is not as much influenced by the Lord as it could be. And so a very real-world lesson for all of us this morning. So there in your notes, sorry I don't have PowerPoint this morning. I was, uh, the last two days I was up at the basketball thing. We'll have one next week. In your notes there, the Apostle Paul wrote to three churches about oversleeping. And we're not talking about physically oversleeping now. We're talking about spiritual oversleeping. Um, he wrote to Romans in Romans 13, and that's where I have you turn this morning. He says in verse 11, look what it says. He says, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, not slumber in sleep, physical slumber, but spiritual slumber. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Love this verse. This is an underlined verse for you in your Bible, guys. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to, the, to fulfill the lusts thereof. What a great, great verse. And so he, he, um, he mentions this here in Romans chapter 13. There in your notes there, again, in, to Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. And then in Ephesus to the Ephesians, he says, Wherefore, awake thou that sleepest. It seems like Paul wanted to make sure that his followers, that his readers, that his listeners, that those who he had converted to Christ said, Look, stay awake spiritually. Don't. Let your Christian life sort of just become lethargic, but stay at it. And so all three churches were being challenged to wake up spiritually, and that's what we're talking about this morning. So there in your notes, um, why would Paul emphasize this concept so strongly? And, and I'm going to answer my own question, and it's this. Number one in your notes, because our flesh can lull us to sleep. And we're kind of talking about that, right? Our flesh, our our just inner man, who we are as a person, our, our old sin nature, that fleshly desire within us, we can awaken that each day and it can just sort of lull us to sleep spiritually so that we're not as attentive as we could be. And so that's what living in the real is all about, this, this whole series. We're not allowing ourselves to be deceived or overtaken in a life of spiritual mediocrity that can lead to blatant rebellion. We're paying more attention. We're waking up. We don't purposefully try to uh, be misled ourselves. We're not purposely trying to do that. Or to become spiritually careless in our walk with the Lord. None of us, you're, you're here in ABF this morning. You, you set your clock the right time. You got up. You're here. So praise the Lord for that. And I often compliment you about being here at the 9 o'clock hour, guys. It means so much to me, but, but really to the Lord, that you're saying, this is an important hour. I want to soak up everything I can that I can get from God. 
So we're not purposely trying to just drift, but it just sort of, it just sort of creeps in on us. It's just day-to-day life sometimes. And we're all guilty of that. So if we miss devotions for a few days, or if we hold on to anger, or if we hold on to hurt, and I want you to think about these right now. These things that I mentioned, review your own heart. Say, well, is there anything in my spirit right now? Am I holding on to anger with anybody? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. Am I angry at something, someone at work, a family member? Am I angry at a situation or something I didn't get? Am I hurt? Am I holding on to hurt or jealousy or fear? Am I anxious about stuff and worried about life and the stresses of life? Or, and, and, and it's producing this internal irritation. This internal irritation that opens the door for us to be spiritually hijacked. Again, we didn't blatantly go out and rebel. It's just the subtle little stuff that comes on us in life and the people interactions and the events that are frustrating and things that just... (laughs) And it can come in and just come on us and just gently sort of just lead us down this path of falling asleep spiritually. And so then, before we know it, we're hijacked. And now we're in a danger zone. And so look what Paul writes as a warning against this. Romans chapter 13, once again, verse 11, he says, It's high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So we should be closer to God as as we move on spiritually, not drifting from God. The Lord's coming back sooner than when we first got saved because we're living life and every day we live we're getting closer to Him. Therefore, we should be looking more like Jesus as we get closer to His coming. And Paul's reminding us of that. So in your notes there, um, we are to cast off the works of darkness. We're to cast them off. It means to forsake or to renounce those sins of darkness that we may hold on to. Because he says the day is far spent or the, yeah, the, uh, the night is far spent. Uh, we spent way too much of our time in the past. If you weren't saved until a little bit later in life, you can say, yeah, I can look back at my past, and many of us can. Say, man, I, I wasted some time. I didn't get saved until a little bit later. Not that any of us are real, real old, but, but old enough. And we can say, you know, I, I wasted too much time, so I'm going to redouble my efforts to remind myself, man, the day is far spent, or the night is far I'm not, I'm not going back to those other days of wasting my life for, without Christ. I'm not going there. We spent way too much time in our old ways, and we were in darkness. So he's saying here, hey guys, it's time to wake up. Pay attention. And the daylight has come, in verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. That's an aggressive thing he's saying. Look, I want, you to, I want you to throw it off and not just live close to the edge where it's easy to stumble. And so um, he mentions in verse 13, he says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, but in strife and envying, um, or, or not in those either. And so there's this list here. We'll talk about those more in just a minute. So he's saying that in in this passage, over in Romans 8.13, I think you don't have to turn there, but he says it similarly. He says that we are to mortify the deeds of the body. So cast off or to mortify in different ways, Paul's saying, look, get rid of these things. 
Don't just live habitually in them. And so, once again, help me this morning. Think about examples in Scripture. Let's try to make it as real as we can. How about some examples in Scripture of people who were living sort of in, in mediocrity? They were lulled to sleep, and it sort of took them a wrong direction. Can you think about people in, in the, primarily the New Testament, but people in the Scriptures that struggled with this area? Yes, Randy. Jonah did, right? Yeah, he just, he was flat out, I'm not doing it. He was like way, way gone. He was rebellious. Somebody else. Like a, like a lulling to sleep, just getting, just getting drifting away. I've Jeff? been reading in Numbers, and it's just a constant reminder of how the Lord treats Moses, mm-hmm. and how easily the Israelites fell into it, yet it just being a reminder to myself. You know, if, if somebody cuts me off, I'm like, drive it. Yeah, so the complaining spirit is a good one, right? We can do that without even thinking about it. We can be critical of so many things in life. And we don't even think that we are critical, but, but we can become critical, have that complaining spirit. That's, that's a good one. And not that we're shaking our fist at God, but it's just a little complaint. It's a lulling to sleep. It's an unthankful heart. It's an irritated spirit. It's just complaining about little stuff. This morning, God brought to my attention, you know, I was thinking back to Jamie Klein, and we pray over the people who have cancer, and it's terminal. And then I think about my life, and I think, man, Lord, I don't have any of that. Thank you. What do I have to complain about? What do I have to worry about? What do I have to get frustrated about and have anxiousness about? God, you have protected me from so much. You've given me so much. Help me to be thankful for what we do have and so praising God and thanking God for sparing us of so much. That, that's, I think, where He wants us to be. Somebody else. What lulls us? People in Scripture that got lulled to sleep. They weren't sort of on it as much as they should have been. Wayne? Oh. Yes, ma'am. Andrew? Lot. Lot. Yeah, how so? Yeah, he lost his testimony that they didn't even take him seriously, his own two sons-in-laws, right, because of a drift. That's a good one. He just, he, he, the Bible says, by his hearing and doing, by his seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul day by day, being influenced by the people around him. Peter talks about that in 2 Peter. He, he vexed his righteous soul. Yeah, Dave? The many episodes of Peter. Yeah, we could pick one, right? We could pick a lot of them. Exactly. I'm thinking about the disciples as a whole. So, so many times Jesus said to His disciples, have you, have you not yet understood why I'm doing this? Do you not yet understand that, that this is what we have to be doing? That it's not washing our hands that defiles a man. It's what, we, it, what comes out of the heart, not what we put in that defiles a man. Disciples, don't you get that yet? Don't, don't you have that understanding? And so he was mildly rebuking them about that. Ananias and Sapphira lying about their price of their property. They, they lied. They knew better. And Judas, 
who didn't like the way Jesus was being so gracious and generous with his forgiveness and his love and his care and his healing. He wanted dominance and power. And, and when, he, when he saw Jesus as being soft and gentle, he didn't like that. And just became more and more, I believe, irritated and corrupt and ungodly um, in his unrighteousness. And Peter was caught up with the hypocrisy that Paul had to confront him about in Galatians chapter 2, because around the Gentiles, he's acting like the Gentiles, and around, the, and around the, the, the Jews, he's acting like the Jews. And Paul comes along and sees this and calls him out on it. And then he says, even so much that Barnabas, the older, wiser, more mature Christian, even says Barnabas was caught up with his dissimulation, with his hypocrisy. Even Barnabas, mighty Barnabas, got caught up in the double-mindedness of pandering to one group of people when they're around them and then the other group of people when they're around them and being, being two-faced, so to speak. Yeah, there's, there's godly men we can look at right in the New Testament. The disciples continually, they doubted. Why have you doubted? Why, why are you not believing, Jesus said to His own disciples so many times. And so there's those examples uh, throughout Scripture on this very thing of how easy it is for that to happen. And so we can easily uh, be lulled to sleep. Our flesh can lull us to sleep. Second, there in your notes, actually in array, is our flesh, it wants to control us, class. It wants, to contr it wants control over us. Um, just turn back a couple pages to Romans 7. You're here in Romans 12. Look at Romans 7. This is Paul's classic passage where he says this, and many of us know this. It's our, our flesh is our old sinful inner man nature that wars against the Spirit. It's an ongoing battle between the forces of good and evil over who's going to win control over us. And so Paul mentions that here in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says what? For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Well, the law is good because it points out our wrong. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, that old sin nature in me, that fleshly desire. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And we don't lose that until we ultimately get to heaven. We have a new nature inside of us to fight off that fleshly desire. But that dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but, to, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that do I. Paul's like frustrated. You get down to verse 24. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It was real. Paul's, Paul's battle was real. Like the things I want to do, I just don't do them sometimes. And the things I know I shouldn't do, those are the things I want to do. He's battling this whole thing about living in the real. And Paul's being real with his readers, and he's being real with us today, saying, man, that's literally what's going on. And so if Paul struggles with it, we know we might struggle with it as well. It doesn't make it right, but our flesh class, that's the point, it wants to control us. It wants to dominate us, and therefore the Bible says that we have to crucify the flesh with its affections and lust. And I think I put there in your notes, did I not? Galatians chapter 5. Is it there in your notes? Galatians 5, 16. Look what it says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It's this battle, this constant battle going on, and you might have experienced it this week. And, and the moment you realize you're experiencing it, it's the moment you have to say, Lord, I'm realizing, ah, oh, I let that happen again. Please forgive me. And we regroup and we rethink and we renew our mind in righteousness. And maybe a verse comes to your mind and you think about that. And you don't let it dwell in you and on you so that you become dominated by it. And so Paul's talking about that in Galatians chapter 5, this very thing. Lisa? Excellent. Because of all that, you know, the things, just like ADHD, so I kind of just work and say things I shouldn't. Yeah. Plus, I have all the issues <laughs> which make me irritable. No, and, I mean, it's just this ongoing. Jack is saying, not at all, honey. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like an ongoing struggle. It's just a balancing act, trying to um, read enough of the word, pray enough, you know, and the more I become. Familiar with the Lord, the worse it seems to. I don't know if it's the worst, but it's like you, you just know more about how wretched you really are. So the emphasis there, we can read the Word and know more, but it can't stop at just knowledge. It cannot stop at just knowledge. It's got to be the application of that knowledge to the moment of the heat of battle, right there at the front line of battle, where we want to give in to our old flesh again. We want to think this way, or we let something come out of our mouth that we shouldn't have, or we have this attitude, or we have this, you know, spirit in us. It's right there where if we're hiding God's word in our heart, we what class? We'll not sin against him. John, you mentioned it earlier about loving the word of God and getting the word of God into us and hiding God's word in our heart. Because if we put it there, guess what? The Spirit of God can bring that out of us then because we've taken the time to do that. So here's a good, here's a good promo for meditating on and memorizing the Word of God and keeping God's Word handy. So if you're at your desk and you get a rotten phone call, you've got a verse on your, on your desk that reminds you, hey, I can't act this way. This verse says this, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearers. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And, and you got verses that come out because you put them there and it fights off that flesh. And the more we're able to do that, we get serious about that, the more victory we can have because we're now making application of the truth to our real world life. And that helps us to have victory. Now, we never get it perfect. We never get it right. We all fall short. And, and, but God knows that. Even Paul, the wretched man that I am, I don't want to do this, but I still do. He's King Christian up there, right? I mean, he's a masterful guy. And yet, he struggled too. So we know that we're going to, but there should be then this battle. Don't throw in the towel and say, well, I just always do this. I can never have victory. No, we stay at it. And that's when the Bible says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. we got to practice putting it to death every day. And how do we do that? By keeping God's Word. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalm 119. John? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, when I was going back to school, it told us this, this prayer is us to God for the spirit that's within us. It's like, in the mornings, you can start out strong, but afternoon, boy, it gets, <laughs> it gets to me anyway, pretty tired. So, yeah, keep praying and asking God for that because it's only 
Well, that's, that's a good point, too. Sometimes we might know when our weak times are. Maybe it is towards the end of the day. Maybe it is when you're delivering to that certain account or you're having to take that phone call with that certain person that could push you the wrong way. You're already aware of that and saying, you know what, I'm not going to let this person do that to me. I'm going to let God be in control of me. It's at the end of the day when I'm most tired and I don't feel like doing anything else. All the more I need to shore up, gird up the loins of my mind and think righteously and godly. And, and not let myself just be given over to that attitude again today or let that thing happen in life. I was talking about that person behind their back again today because they just frustrate me so much, you know, and let it happen. No, we, we fight against that. And that's, that's the daily thing in the Christian life. And that's what Paul's getting at here. We, we, we have to stay at battle. Let her be there in your notes. Not only does our flesh want to control us, let it be our flesh creates its own reality. And let me move through these fairly quickly. Our flesh creates its own reality. So we lie to ourselves in order to satisfy our desires class. We say to ourselves the following things. These are just some ways that we are self-deceived. And I'd like you, as we read through these things, to contemplate them in your own mind. This is just for yourself. But to look through them as I read them and then say, okay, which one, maybe two, are, are the most influential negatively in my life? Where would I tend to use this more than the others, the one or two of these? And here they are. Here's how our flesh creates its own reality. Number one, we say things like this. My actions and desires won't hurt anybody. That's a, that's a lulling asleep. That would be denial. We're denying the reality of what's really happening. Number two, no one will know or care about what I do. That's minimization. We're minimizing what really could be bigger than what we're making it. Number three, I deserve to do this. That's justification. Right? We're justifying ourselves. I deserve this. Um, I can skip church. It's been a busy week. I've had a lot to do. God will know my heart. It's fine. And, and so you can justify that to say, I don't need to go to church. I have my devotions every day. Or I've prayed this week. Or I've witnessed. I've given out 10 tracts this week. I don't need to go to church tonight. Something like that. We can say, I, 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 I deserve this. I deserve to miss. And so we can justify. Number four, I'm not as bad as other people I know. And so that would be either trivialization or, or comparison. We're comparing ourselves with others. And class, isn't it easy to compare ourselves? We don't, don't usually compare ourselves to the Apostle Paul, do we not? No, we're comparing ourselves to who? Someone we know is probably a little bit not where we are spiritually. And so it's easy to do that. Number five, if I do this thing, I can just ask God for forgiveness. Um, so, well, I really want to buy that thing. I know it's going to cost too much money but it's a good deal right now. I can get it on sale. And if we go into debt and we can't pay for it right now, I'll just, I'll just ask the Lord to forgive me later. <laughs> right? right? We can do that. And so we can, make a, we can make a deal with God. So think about that. We can just ask for forgiveness. That would be manipulation. We're trying to manipulate God out of something. Number six, I don't do it often, so every once in a while it's okay, right? That's rationalization. We just rationalize it away. Again, missing devos or foul words out of our mouth. I don't, I don't I don't use that language that often, so, you know, 
Again, I'm not as bad as Joe down the street. Man, he's a real sailor. And then number seven, I'll make up for it by doing more for God later. That would be like paying God back, remuneration, or dealing with a deal, making a deal with God. Um, I'm spending too much time at work. I know that. And, um, and not, not serving Christ like I should because I'm just too busy at work. But I'll make up for it. I'll do this activity later. I'll sign up for this and so on and so forth. So we might make a deal with God in that way. And, you know, all sorts of things. So, so just circle that one on there. Hopefully you're not circling all seven, right? Maybe so. But circle one on there and say, yeah, this is the one i got to work on in class. Then you go ahead and say, I'm going to work on this. There's my weakness. Here's where I'm at. And I don't want to be lulled to sleep by my flesh any longer. I don't want to be that way. I want to have victory. I want to live in reality. And so Paul, he has some strong words in, in verses, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 13, 12. He says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the work, to start, work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And in essence, he's then saying too, Wake up. That's your fill in there. Wake up. Don't stay asleep. And then third, Paul commands believers, he commands them to put on the armor of light that we just read in verse 12. Put on the armor of light. He gives us lists. And again, I don't think most of us, this is a pretty serious list. This is a pretty long list of harsh stuff. Look, at, look what it is. Rioting in your notes there. Paul says it in verse 13, this list. Rioting is carousing or wild sexual parties that lead to fighting and all forms of sexual debauchery. Remember, he's writing to the church at Rome. And that was a wicked, wicked, you know, um, city and area. And so, and lots of people then were just not out of the world. So rioting and then drunkenness, intentional and habitual intoxication. Chambering, that's sexual promiscuity and sleeping around, believe it or not. Wantonness, sexuality and shameless excess of sexual desire with no restraint. That's what Paul's talking about there. These are, these are some harsh, serious things. Number five, strife. That's in, this might be maybe more where most of us live here this morning in our ABF. That is strife, antagonistic competitiveness that demands one's own way regardless of the harm done to others. It's called reckless selfishness. We just want what we want. And any of us can be there at any given time. And the last one is envy. Envying. And you see there, it's discontentment or resentment over someone else's success, possessions, or personal qualities. That might be something where, yeah, we can have an issue with. We could look it out in the parking lot here and say, man, look at that car, look at that car, look at that car, that, that car. Man, there's a lot of money here. There's a lot of people driving nice cars. Look at my car. And we can have a little bit of envy or the way they dress or the way they look or look how well-behaved those kids are or they send their kid to Christian school. I can't send my kid to Christian school. And so we might then look at others in a way that could be a bit envious. Even all those things, they're real. And we sometimes battle those, and that's what we're talking about this morning. Don't allow, God, Paul saying through, God saying through Paul, wake up, don't let yourself go there with that attitude. 
I love you. I've provided for you. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. Who that, he that compares himself among himself is not, anybody know it? Is not wise. Yes, is not wise. So we don't want to be making comparisons of ourselves. So finally here, letter D. Christians are to make a conscientious effort to live differently than the world in order to be real. And so what are they, class? Let me give them to you quickly. Make no provision for the flesh. That's what Paul says here in verse 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, number one, and then make no provision for the flesh. Those two things. We have to do both. We have to be walking in right fellowship with Christ. We put Him on. In other words, we put on that armor of spiritual armor to protect us. And then at the same time, we don't make provision for the flesh. That means in your notes there, to think in advance of how we can gratify our flesh. We can come up with and devise plans and ways to satisfy ourselves. So when I think about that, of, of providing something in advance, I'm reminded of Allison's wedding and how we had to plan and, uh, for all sorts of things. Looking at venues and how it took time and money and energy and preparedness and every last detail. It took patience and we drove to restaurants and we shopped at stores and we ordered things online and we picked up furniture. We spent money. We organized decorations and meals and we met with many people. We worked late into the night on occasions. My wife did most of that. <laughs> right, honey? Amen? Yeah. I prayed for her. <laughs> no, but, but then it was just a lot of effort, a lot of preparation. And in doing that, the wedding, praise God, we felt was a success. And Allison was happy, so it was a success, right? Because it took planning and effort and time. Why not in the same way that we would do something like that? That's a big event. How about thinking about, you know what? i got to plan for the success of my own Christian walk. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. i got to be thinking about it. i gotta, I got to be planning for my success today. Lord, how am I going to have victory when that person calls? How am I going to do when... When my coworkers aren't doing their job and I'm left to hang and do all the extra, I'm going to get irritated. No, no, you're going to make provision, not provision for the flesh. You're going to think righteously and godly and say, I'm not going to let that get me today. And you're, you're putting it in the realm of I'm preparing for success because you planned in advance. You thought through it. And it's to, it's to, it's to think about it and dwell on it in a righteous way. And so, that's a, a key for overcoming that. Now, as we close here, point number two, and this is, this is brief. God, secondly, He calls us class. It's a calling. He says, I want you to live in the real. I don't want you to be lulled asleep by your flesh. I want you to live in the real. And for the few minutes we have left, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Go there, please, if you would. Ephesians chapter 5. Because Paul talks in the same chapter here, like he did in the other about awaking to righteousness. And so we think about Ephesians chapter 5. We think about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives submit yourself to your husband. We think about Ephesians chapter 5 of um, be filled with the Spirit. Not in excess of wine and drunkenness, but be filled with the Spirit. We think about Ephesians 5 including those things. But before Paul even gets to that, in the first 14 verses or 15 verses or so. He's talking about us having victory spiritually. If you look at verse 3, he says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Don't let yourself go to that wicked place, not even one time. 
So in your notes there, letter A, sexual, sexuality or sexual immorality should not be a part of a believer's life even one time class. Not even once. Paul says that's so heinous, that's so outside the Christian life. Not even once should sexual immorality be named among you. And we can list all forms of sexual immorality. Any form, God says, keep your mind and heart pure. Marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Stay away from that. Don't let it once be named among you. Stay clean there. Your moral and, and, and physical purity, your sexual purity is paramount. Why is that so important? Because the life source is in us and throwing around the life source with sexual immorality is heinous to God because He's the creator of life. And so he says, walk carefully there. It shouldn't be named among us one time in verse 3. He says in letter B, we should not have friendships um, with such people that he's talking about. Let me just read down through now the passage. Verse 4, he says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not appropriate or convenient, but rather giving of thanks. We should watch what we talk and say. For this know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Wow, God hates these things. Be not therefore partakers with them. Don't be friends with those who do such things. They will lead you down a wrong path. We can witness to them, we can love them and try to give them the gospel, but we don't fraternize with them. Verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. We guard our friendships, we guard our relationships, and we don't let them become a part of our life because just like with the children of Israel, we learned from Joshua, it, the, the people around them led them the wrong direction. And that's what Paul is reminding us of here. And so in your notes there, let us see, he says, wake up and carefully and alertly be alert and alertly to avoid the deceptive and evil practices of the world. Here's what he says. Verse 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. There it is. Awake. Wake up, guys. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Don't have friendships with the world, but he says, wake up and walk carefully and alertly to avoid deceptive evil practices. I was just thinking about this as, as we close here. One of the common areas that where we can fall asleep, we talk about it, in fact, we, we fall asleep at the wheel. We fall asleep at the wheel. It's a, it's a common saying. But literally, listen to this. More than 6,000 people die in drowsy driving-related crashes in the United States each year. A recent study suggests, mil suggests millions of U.S. drivers fall asleep at the wheel each month, and roughly 15% of all fatal crashes involve a drowsy driver, researchers note in the Sleep Journal from 2017. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration conservatively estimates that 100,000 police-reported crashes are the direct result of driver fatigue each year. It results in 1,550 deaths, 71,000 injuries, and about $12.5 billion in monetary losses. 
These figures may be the tip of the iceberg, it says, since currently it is difficult to attribute crashes to sleepiness. There's no test. Like you can do a breathalyzer test for drunkenness, you can't test sleepiness. So it's an estimate, but the point is it's wreaking havoc behind the wheel. And so we know how dangerous it is for us to fall asleep behind the wheel. In the same way, Paul is summarizing here and over in Romans chapter 13, that don't fall asleep at your spiritual wheel. Stay at it. Stay alert. Stay true. Stay, stay uh, intentionally, morally pure so that we don't let this world creep into us. And so the conclusion then, the summary here is this. Paul's answer to spiritual drowsiness, what is it? Well, he says, wake up. He says, walk circumspectly. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. Watch your time and be wise to the will of the Lord. That's verse 17. Folks, walking circumspectly is simply this. It's not just walking through life like, you know, hey, well, I'm just going to have a nice day. No, walking circumspectly. Remember, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. When he says walk circumspectly, he's saying walk, paying attention, being alert, and looking around and watching your circumstances so that you don't fall because of some misguided person who might enter your life and bring you down or some circumstance in life. Quickly, Jeff. Also have an accountability partner. Yes. If you look at any military marching in the jungle, it's not just one guy. It's normally three or four with each facing out looking to protect the other guy. Amen. Accountability is huge. Use your partner in, in life to do some of those things. Fellas, if you need moral accountability. Call me. We'll work that out. But don't let the devil win. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for this opportunity to start this new series. Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom and strength and help and spiritual guidance. Give us that discipline um, to be able to live righteously, to live awake and alive for Christ and give us victory as a result. Thank you for each one in here. Bless the service to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.